0: There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro
1: wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Bret screwed Bret. Die, Rocky die. Suck it!
0: Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE. With new interviews, with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history.
1: Listen now. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved QuickBets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 20 on plus and present in select states or 18 plus in DC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV.
0: Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me, as he does, every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin
1: O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin! Burn We gotta talk about Cade today. I don't know when we're gonna, but we have to. We have to talk about Cade. We have to. We'll get to him. <laughs>
0: but... First things first. There was a monster game on last (laughs) evening between the Bucks and the Nets. Did Giannis Antetokounmpo just win his third MVP with that performance last night?
1: Should he win it based off of one performance? No, but that performance certainly did serve as a reminder of his power, didn't it, Chris? And I think what about two
0: performances because it's Philly and Brooklyn back-to-back where he wins the game against Philly with a block on another MVP candidate, Joel Embiid, to win that game. And then last night, outdueling Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. knocking down a three to send the game into overtime, knocking down free throws to win the game. I mean, and if there were ever, (laughs) if there were ever two things that you would want Giannis Antetokounmpo doing with the game on the line, they would probably be ranked number one three-point shot, number two free throws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, he, and so I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with him if he's if he's knocking both those down.
1: Listen, man, I, I I don't know with this guy. He just gets better every single year. I thought it was cool, the praise from his teammates after the game, just talking about his improvements. I mean it's true like the fadeaways from mid-range, the pull-ups, he is more comfortable as a shooter. He's he's way better as a playmaker. He had this post-up last night. I think it was in the fourth quarter where he draws a double team, like perfectly times when he's going to pass this loop over the top to a corner three-point shooter. I mean he he has absolutely everything that there is to have as a star besides a, a, a consistent knockdown jump shot, but he's getting better. I don't know who the MVP is, Chris. I can't figure it out. It's so close between Giannis. Didn't Jogic, it feel, and- we know that it's always storyline, and didn't it feel
0: last night like that in, in an incredibly muddled MVP race, and I just mean people seemingly not having an extremely
1: strong opinion, yeah, well, about I mean, who should, they're it going to vote. shouldn't be that way, though. Like, Giannis it should, should, maybe maybe should have been be. right in it. You know, like he should be he should. in it. Yeah, like we've always said, it's three. Giannis, no, 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 no no. But, shouldn't be. no. no, no, no. But I mean, well, I think he has been in
0: it. He has yes. been in the discussion. But I'm just talking about where if you were looking for somebody to make your opinion strong, he delivered in spades. And he's done it two sure. times in a row on a massive stage and we know whether or not it should matter is beside the point it It matters. And so if you Mm -hmm. were looking for when it's time to cast that vote for who is the most valuable player in the league, you know, I, I certainly think it's going to be very difficult to get that out of your head. You know, that you just watch that because it felt like there was a lot of, Hey, uh, let us remember, which we felt this way walking away from the NBA Finals last year. Let's remember that this guy is the best player going, you know? And so it's like, all right, this is the best player in the league, and people feel comfortable giving that guy an MVP vote.
1: Here's what I'd ask you, Chris. Has Embiid fallen to third? Um.
0: I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance he could get third. I feel like there. Isn't that
1: something else? I, I feel mean, like
0: there. Now I will say this. I feel like generally, and I don't know. I can't judge the media, but I feel like generally there's more blowback slash resent for Jokic than the other two. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, I think definitely. more people are trying to poke holes in the Jokic case than they are the other two's case, and so I suppose it's possible that Jokic could fall to third, but I'm doubtful. I do think that there's a really good chance, and again, I'm not saying people people can argue whether it's right or not, but when you see a guy. You know, with 44 points, 42 points, you know, 15, 16 rebounds, assist, game-winning plays against the best teams in his conference,
1: back-to-back nights, it is extremely persuasive. I just don't see how—so the straw poll that Tim Bontemps does for ESPN, Uh the last one he did was Jokic had 62 first-place votes and Bede had 29— Giannis had only nine first place votes. Right. Uh, I just, I just don't see how, in a matter of ten days, that goes from Giannis as third with only nine first place votes to being in first place. Maybe it shouldn't, but I'll just ask you. Ten days ago, wasn't your opinion different? I think my opinion. Mine is. Everybody is. I, yeah, I think my opinion ten days ago was the order that I just listed: Jokic, Embiid, yeah. Giannis. And now it's
0: more, more muddy. But but the
1: thing is, is it's really like the whole time, like 1A, 1B, 1C. That's the type of season those guys are having. It's not like a very clear and definitive, oh, here's the top three. And then number four, I have Luca, And then number five and 5A, 5B, 5C is everybody else. The the 20 players, uh, the Bill Simmons, Ryan Russell, the 20 best top five players. Like that's where number five is for me. I don't know who the fifth, you know, is for MVP. But I do know my top four in some order. And everybody um, knows their top three for certain. It, it, in some order. I, I would hope, though, there was a, a Ja Morant second-place vote, a Devin Booker second-place vote. Was Were you the Ja vote, Chris? Did, uh, I don't have did, a vote. I know, I know. Morant's
0: going to end up playing 56 games. Yeah. So I think that's going to hurt his, I mean, look, the MVP case, but more
1: importantly, the All-NBA all NBA case. Yeah, and, and the thing is, he'll still get All-NBA. Sure, they'll get maybe. They'll
0: sec- probably get second team with Curry, I'd guess.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's where I right. Kinda, and they'll have Booker in. and Luca as the first. Team. That's what maybe. I guess. Maybe, yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, but the fifty-six
1: games is what's going to hurt him. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. with the MVP, it's a totally different level, you know, with those that's guys. Right. But and we'll see. Listen, like with Giannis, he should be in consideration for for MVP, and the argument for him is the same argument it was the year he won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. It's the fact that he does carry a significant offensive burden, maybe not quite as much as Jokic. Maybe the demands on offense weren't as difficult as they were for Embiid because he didn't have his second-best player, and he had he himself had to take on more handling responsibilities. But even then, Giannis handled a ton, and he's one of the best defenders in all of basketball. Um, listen, dude, uh, I... I am thankful I have this difficult choice like, as a voter. I'm thankful as fans of the league there's this difficult choice because in some ways it's like, who cares about the award in the end? It's a subjective choice. What I do know is we have some of these all-time greats, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, especially Giannis, given he's already won a championship and a finals MVP. This guy is absurd. The things He's that he absolutely can do. absurd. Isn't it something else what he could do on the court, Chris? He's amazing. He's amazing. It's unbelievable. And, and I love the way, and I absolutely love the example that he sets too. The way he talks about his game and the way he talks about not settling and, try, and the way he talks about always trying to find ways to improve. He said, after the game last night, he said, I'm over myself. Uh, I, you know, I think it's called abundance mentality. I love what I've done in the past and that gives me confidence and I'm able to go out there and execute without thinking, without having self-doubts about myself. So that allows me to just play good basketball. Mentally, I'm in a good place. Physically, I still think I can improve. I don't know if this is the best I ever played, but I know I've got a lot of room to improve. Imagine being Giannis and Kumpo and saying that. Yeah, I, And I texted you a week ago
0: when I saw him in person. And I said, I, I just watched this guy in person. And I think Memphis did an unbelievable job on him. And he had like 30 and 11. I was like, the guy is a force of nature. You, they did as good a job as you could do on a guy, and he had thirty and eleven. It was crazy. I'm like, there's just not. You know, he's, you know, you know, everybody's trying to stop him every night, and now he's these last ten games, he's just been absolutely crazy. You know, he's turned it up.
1: Doesn't he play like a guy that hears it? He yeah, reads it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not so, like, I, I read that quote from last night. Giannis is, I think, one of the best role models in all of sports. Of course you know, he just, is. With, just with his story and the mindset, the approach he takes to improving the growth mindset is amazing. But he also does seem like somebody who is very familiar with the MVP race and what people in media are saying, because the way he comes out and has played recently just strikes me as a guy, like LeBron going for the scoring title, strikes me as a guy that's like, you're talking about Embiid versus Jokic for MVP, what about me? That's what it yeah. feels like to me. And when you talk about the <laughs> role model thing, um, I'll tell you, when I went to that
0: game, there, there were a lot of Giannis jerseys. Kids. A lot of kids in Giannis jerseys. And that's become less and less common at home games, obviously, because Memphis has its own superstar. But it it stands in stark contrast. Like, two weeks ago, uh, when Brooklyn, when I saw them, there's virtually no Durants, no Kyries, like none. And then you see a bunch of Giannis' in the crowd and their kids, and then nothing. And he wasn't even playing. Nothing compares to Curry. Nothing. It's not even close. I mean, it was, oh my God, the amount of jerseys, now much to the chagrin of John Morant, but the amount of (laughs) golden it curry by such a wide margin. Now I'm talking like lined up at the concourse just in hopes that he'll shoot around before the game. And he wasn't even, he wasn't even at the game. He didn't even travel with the team. But the amount of jerseys that you see and kids, Wearing his jersey, it's it's rather unbelievable. I thought the Giannis thing was a lot, but the Curry thing is madness. And he's not even playing. That's when you know. Like, that's when it's serious. And 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 by the way, also a great role model, right? Somebody mm-hmm. that parents love uh, the, their kids wearing his jersey. Their parents feel good about their kid uh, having that guy as one of their heroes. Um, Anyway, on the Giannis thing, I I left that last night and I saw the stat where I believe he's Durant's 0-5 now against Giannis in the last five games they played against each other. And I thought to myself, they may be the one team in the East that doesn't worry or think about playing Brooklyn at all. I think they're the one that's least fearful for good reason. You know, now they could get caught, and of course, we were a half a shoe size away from maybe history changing last year. But you know, where Miami has had you know their kind of drama, and Phillies had their kind of drama. Boston obviously lost time, Lord. You know, those teams got more to think about. I saw an article this morning that was about basically the Bucks being the dramaless team like of everybody, yeah. that, you know, there is a, and so I think that they're full the, confidence. Them and Phoenix,
1: them in Phoenix yeah. the two teams that went to the to the NBA Finals last year, they're those teams without any drama.
0: That's right. No drama surrounding yeah. them. And so, like, I think that while other teams might jockey to to get out of a certain spot, whoever we play, we play. And, <laughs> and, and clearly, I think on Brooklyn's end, that's the disaster. We would all love to see seven games between those teams. That game was great
1: last yeah, night. That was a great, great basketball. That I was mean, a fantastic basketball game. And and, and, the, the, and the game had drama, right? Middleton got thrown <laughs> out, which he should not have gotten thrown yeah,
0: out. Yeah, I know. He should not have gotten thrown out. But I mean, Middleton getting thrown out of that game, and then Giannis, you know, again, it's make or miss league. Giannis misses that three, and it doesn't go into overtime, the narrative does change. You know? And it's like, oh, how dangerous is Brooklyn and whatever. So I'm, I'm understanding that, you know, based upon Ashot, shot, you know, we think about things rather differently.
1: Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Speaking of that Nets team,
0: when uh, when was that Brooklyn game that I mentioned that I went to, Logan Murdoch was in town.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And he had been tracking KD around the country because he was writing a big profile, which did come out on theringer.com. And there were a couple of things in there that were super fascinating. You know, he talked about the Golden State thing and he also talked about, one of the things that was mentioned was, you know, he's quoted a thousand times in the article. And then it said, Kevin Durant and... James Harden went to Greece, I think it was twice, or they went on two trips over the summer in which James Harden told Kevin Durant that he was going to sign up long-term with the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. And I did think it was funny (laughs) that it said uh, that that, way. There's like a million quotes from Durant, and then it said that part, and then it said, according to league sources. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> According to league sources, James Harden.
1: Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that is. I'll ask Logan. <laughs> it's a oh, source. I'm, oh, no, it's Katie. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. The other thing was. Yeah, Dur- Dur- Durant tells Logan, you can't quote me on this one, though.
0: Yeah. But, but you also- can't. It was. And it was. It was also kind of funny. Katie, like, he brought up like Clay a couple times. Like, you see how Clay acts, and nobody jumps on him. Like, I, he blames like the media in the article for like the Golden State stuff well, and whatever. What, what
1: did you? Uh, what did you think about his media quotes talking about open locker rooms? Uh, because Adam Silver has suggested, that yeah, they the, might about not the open relationships back with back reporters. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And, and,
0: Totally reasonable, and I also... I think, thought every
1: word was reasonable. It's for the best to open them up, but that's maybe a open veteran. them up in a different way.
0: Yeah, that's a veteran that understands the way this stuff works. It is much easier for people to criticize when they don't have to face somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's much easier. You know, when you've got a When you're out there and, and, and talking, and you've got to go to that press conference, and so for many, many years, I mean, I, look, I was a radio host, I, I have had all, I have had players, I have had coaches, I've had all manner of people scream at me or be mad at me over things that I had said back in the day, you know and that's what comes with it. But if you're going to erase that and you aren't going to have much interaction oh yeah with said individual, I think it's not I, it's worse for the players in my opinion, the best thing for the players is to become real people and develop relationships with these people. It's not just for news breaking and all that stuff. It's the coverage of the team day in and day out for the fans that care about it the most. And developing a relationship with the media is good. Now, he kind of blamed the media for the Golden State thing, but in the same column, it mentions how you know, guys on the Warriors plane are all playing cards together and stuff. And he's back, you know, back by himself, you know, away from everybody. And I think that there's probably a couple different versions of the way that all went down. But in his version, he felt like it was always KD and the Warriors rather than KD part of the Warriors. But that's, Again, it's all water on the bridge now, but it's very, it's very interesting read. I would encourage anybody to check it out because it does give you a good sense of how he thinks about things
1: for sure. No, it was um, very, very well done by Logan. And we, we at some point, we did a uh, real ones earlier in the season. At some point, maybe during the playoffs, for i have sure to have Logan and Raja on the mismatch.
0: Yeah, that was, it was great to, I, I hung out with them while he was here. Um, it was great to have him in town, and he was doing that KD article. You and guys went to
1: dinner. You got dinner. We, did, did we didn't. Do? We didn't. get
0: together yeah, because go, go, he flew I in see. late. Oh yeah. Um, so
1: it's just at the game you hung out. He was bit. at the
0: game, yeah. and he. Um, it was actually the same exact night that the mandate thing got lifted, so that worked out well for the column because he was able oh. to go ask Kyrie and KD about that after the game. The other thing was very interesting. Was and keep this in mind. He asked Kyrie Irving about playing together uh with Kevin Durant and they made it sound like they're going to play together forever. If you read it, they both said that. We'll be playing together for 20 something years. Whether it's out on a court and wherever. So, we'll see, we'll see. You never know, right? With this friendship, but it's clear they are like really really friends.
1: They are close. You
0: know what I mean? Like they're I, I think in terms
1: of best friends. At some point in the article, um, and yeah, that's what Logan wrote. Logan and Logan's words—he wrote joining forces with his best friend Kyrie yeah. Irving. Yeah, so we'll see how they play out
0: too. Um, on the other hand,
1: did you see? Ky- like- wait, wait, wait! You see Kevin Durant <laughs> called himself a god last night. <laughs> I did. Responding to Nick Wright, <laughs> he also
0: he called him Little
1: Nicky. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough We're going to get Nick on this too Nick on uh, Mismatch or Void at some point We had Nick last season, we didn't have him this season, right? Well, we we scheduled him And then like
0: 30 minutes before we were about to go on uh, A story broke about James Harden Being an irresponsible boob And going out to strip clubs all the time And Nick Wright said, oh, I've had something come up I can't come on (laughs) Because he for sure was going to talk about how Daryl Morey is the genius of all geniuses, and that got ruined by an article that came out. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a conspiracy theorist when it comes to that. Um, meanwhile, we'll have Nick on. We'll have Nick on meanwhile, the 76ers yeah. not looking good down here in the home stretch. And you were talking earlier about the MVP thing? That trade, there's no question the trade did not help his MVP. Mm-mm. At all. We didn't know what it would be like, but it certainly hasn't helped it. And that's because of team performance more than anything, right? Harden does not look the same, does he, Chris? Well, and it was kind of like the Embiid was carrying this team, and, you know, it's him and Tyrese Maxey, and they need more, and he's doing it without Ben Simmons. And so you had a lot of the Jokic thing going on with Embiid. Now, Embiid still had a better supporting cast, but still, you looked out there and it's Tyrese Maxey who's starting for the first time and it's Danny Green and it's not, and it's and It's not a who's who, you know, Curry, good players, but we felt like they were awesome because this guy is elevating them. And now, you know, they they're, they're losing to Detroit. Down the stretch. And 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 Harden has a really rough night. And then I saw the Philly newspaper writers saying, no, nah, no nah, nah, that's not what Doc meant. But then every other headline everywhere is Doc Rivers calls out James Harden.
1: So So I what, don't did know. He, well, what did the what did he mean then? That I he mean, didn't mean like a, a knock at, you know, Harden. So what are Philly writers saying
0: that he meant? That he was gonna that they were gonna jump on. The bench, right, like the bench did nothing, they were like over five, yeah. okay, and that what he was what, what he was saying and he didn't continue his thought or whatever was basically you can't blame the bench because James was out there and he was the leading shot taker
1: at okay, that time. See, yeah, yeah,
0: you know what I'm saying, like he was trying to say that was it, it was it was not it was prompted by a question about how shitty the bench was. And he was like, hey, you know, it's hard to blame the bench when James is the guy out there, right? Like, I mean, yeah, they only took five shots, but that's because James is taking the shots. Like, James is, when he's playing with the bench, he's the guy. But it is hard to, I don't know. I think you had to do some mental acrobatics to act like he wasn't disappointed in Harden's performance. (laughs) I mean,
1: he was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) He's terrible. He he you know? is, you know how after three games, I'm saying, oh yeah, Sixers going to the finals, baby. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey, third wheel behind a beating Harden. At the time, through three games with Philadelphia, Harden was averaging 27 p- points, 12 assists, only three turnovers. Scoring with great efficiency, playing you know with bursts. He had great acceleration, great first step. He looked like the Harden that we had seen previously early in the Brooklyn days with Houston before he was trying to push his way out. Since then, Chris, that was three games. Since then, in 12 games, Harden is averaging 21 points, nine assists on 29.8% from three, 41% from two-point range. These are poor numbers. They say, he, they say and, he's hurt.
0: They say he's hobbled. I'm telling, like, I,
1: you say that's that what that's in cheek. what his defenders will. You, you say that tongue in cheek, and I've been saying it seriously ever since then. Yeah, you got to admit, Chris. There's a difference between the Harden we saw straight out of a, the trade deadline, uh, straight out of All Star break, when he gets when he gets his first couple games with Philadelphia. He looked different than physically than he has since. Do you agree, though? Like, the, and this is part of it. If he is hurt, if his hamstrings are having issues, whatever, it is, whatever it is, that's part of it with him. But that's I, he, I, I, th- I think he doesn't look we, the same to me. He doesn't have the same. I burst. agree with
0: you. I, there's no question. he Doesn't look the same. And I'm not saying that he's not hurt. Okay. What I am saying yeah. is, if he comes out and he goes for 35, 12, and 10 tonight, which that's happened before, you know where he's come and he had these huge games, then he's not hurt. Then I guess he was just feeling good that night. And then he comes back and he has like a lame game and it's like he's hurt. So I don't know what to make
1: sure. You know what I'm saying? You never know with him.
0: That has absolutely happened, where it's like, oh, you know, I've seen it in the playoffs. And the narrative becomes he's run down from this season. He hasn't, you know, he just played so many minutes and now he's just run down. He's out of energy. Or something's bothering him. And then he comes out and he has 42 points the next game. And it's like, okay, what happened to the whole he was tired from the season thing? You know, I, I think you, could, you can always play it both ways with him. But what is true is we look at Philadelphia much, much differently right now. It's hard to imagine them beating a Milwaukee, beating a Miami in a seven-game series. You know? It right. is hard
1: to envision at this It's point. hard to envision right mean, I mean, now. I mean, look, listen. I mean, like, Embiid, Embiid and Harden are still going to be an absolute problem uh, in, in terms of, like, a, a schematic uh, situation for the opponent because they can destroy you inside. They can destroy you on the perimeter. On paper, theoretically. But, you know, the knocks against that bench last night, when you're relying so much on DeAndre Jordan and Niang and the ghost of Danny Green... I mean, like compared to some of these other teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, Miami, Milwaukee, uh, Boston with Robert Williams, Philadelphia just doesn't compete. Never mind sometimes the problems what they have with their fifth guy. With Batiste Tybell out there a lot of the time, spacing gets screwed up. Um, Like they don't have a great fifth uh, for every situation. So for Philadelphia, uh, (laughs) I mean, after all of that, Right now, they look like a team that is, you know, in need of some more changes over the offseason in order to get to the level of everybody else in the Eastern Conference. What's going to be interesting
0: is when we get to the offseason, if they flame out, is Embiid going to be gung-ho about signing him to that huge extension? And it might be a blessing in disguise that he didn't. You remember that was a thing? Maybe
1: maybe you can sign and trade James Harden for LeBron James. (laughs) Oh, my. <laughs> think we'll I'm start that. You think I'm kidding, huh? Why not start recruiting LeBron if you're Embiid? Why
0: would I want? <laughs> why would I want James Harden? <laughs> what? Why would I want to pay him? That's not looking. That's not uh, looking would, like a great investment right now. Wouldn't
1: would that be something else? Can you imagine that? No. No, can't. you can't. Why hey. can't you imagine that? We've how much how much crazy stuff have we seen in the NBA as long as we've been doing this show, Chris? I mean, we've
0: seen some crazy stuff. But yeah, that's we've one seen some
1: crazy stuff. That, Why that, can't you can't rule out anything? I mean, I can. If, you, if you're LeBron, if you're LeBron, come on. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why are we doing this? All right, let's not. We'll not do it then. We won't do it then. The uh, thoughts out hey. there. The thoughts uh, out there. Le- right. Le- LeBron's not leaving the Lakers because he likes to live in Los Angeles, as do I. Um, but uh, yeah. If it's well, about winning basketball games, we'll see.
0: On the flip side of that Sixers game last night that they lost to Detroit, Cade Cunningham. We talked about Pistons Giannis.
1: Talk, baby. Pistons we,
0: talk. Hey, we talked about. We talked about. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> hey, well, look. And I know you are uh, in the camp of teams that you know don't have good records. What are you doing? You're trying to win games. But it's the only reason we're talking about the Pistons and we're not talking about all these other rat teams that are losing on purpose. No, they,
1: they've lost um, pl- plenty of teams, plenty Cade, of games this year. Cade
0: Cunningham <laughs> in March. They're twenty-one and fifty-six, Chris. They're I'm horrible. aware. <laughs> I'm aware, but they're but I mean they're playing it out, and he is certainly playing it out in the month of March. Twenty-three points, seven assists, six rebounds a game. He is the first rookie to put up those numbers in a month. Since Michael Jordan. What? Really? Yes. 23, 7, and 6.
1: Wow. Pretty hmm. rare air. Pretty rare air. Wow. I did not know that stat. First time in a month. What were those numbers again in March? 23, 7, and 6. 23, 7, 6. Wow. Hmm. For the month of March. I'm su- I'm a little surprised that hasn't happened uh, since the days of Michael Jordan, but I mean, regardless, it does speak to well. It's ten eight. games, or you had to play at least
0: ten games. That's according okay. to All our right. buddies over at Staten. Okay, but I mean, that's still. I mean, most everybody's playing ten games in a
1: month. Oh yeah, I mean that's remarkable. Right? That's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, Kate, C- Kate is. Uh, he doesn't play like a rookie, does he, Chris? No, he and plays like that- a ten-year, ten-year vet sneaky great
0: race and i know bill simmons has been behind scotty barnes but i mean i do think there's going to be a big split vote on that one with barnes oh, mobley yeah. and Cade's going to get some support
1: he is as he should you i mean, know, listen man like i i think the slowish start the Cade experience some people are going to kind of anchor themselves to right or wrong um but you know recency bias is the opposite of it right uh, the way he's finishing the season, looking like a guy who's not a rookie, looking like a 10-year veteran who's in full control of the game as a playmaker, scoring whenever he needs to, scoring from all over the court, playing really great defense too as a, as a wing defender. The the argument for Cade is so strong at this point. And, and I think ultimately here, Chris, like with MVP, I don't know what I'm going to do with a little over the, a week left in the season because of how close it is between Cade Mobley, and Barnes. The arguments for them are different. Uh, they play di- totally different styles, but all of them have been productive in their own way. Who who do you think uh, should be the most deserving right now? Is it is it Cade?
0: I would not fight anybody on any of the players that won it. Um, that being said, I think I think Mobley would have ran away with it if his team just didn't get destroyed by injury. And they really did. They really did. um, Because they were... They, I, I have no reason. If they don't have the Rubio thing, if they don't have some of the injuries that they had, and of course, Jared Allen, they didn't have all those injuries. Like, there was very little reason to believe their record would not have been fantastic. Um, I think I'm with you. This is one that I am absolutely on the fence. I have not lined it all out to look at all of the different statistics for all of these guys. Typically, if it's, you know, that close, then I do take winning into consideration. And so I think that you get a little bit of a nod. It is more impressive to do it on a winning team. It just is. And so to me, it's a little more impressive if you're Scotty Barnes, if you're Evan Mobley, than if you're Kate, right? Like if if all things are you know if all things are even, um, I do kind of consider whether you were on a winning team, and those two guys were on winning teams, and I'm taking nothing away from Kate, who has been absolutely spectacular and has to do, you know, he runs this show for them. And so if somebody wanted to make the argument, look, his individual performance makes him worthy of this award, I, I, I wouldn't put up a big fight about it. No. I'm just saying the way my yeah. brain works in terms of these awards, if it's all close, I usually lean towards the team, the guy that's on the team with the better record because it is more difficult to put up numbers in a winning context
1: sure yeah I think that's fair I mean rookie of the year like I said with MVP in some ways whatever I mean who cares like it's gonna be it's a it's gonna be a split vote it's gonna be close what matters is the fact we have so many great rookies they're gonna grow into stars and the thing with Cade is like, you, like obviously we get the final four this weekend you could match up Cade Cunningham with Paulo Bencaro out of Duke you could do it with Jabari Smith from Auburn Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, any of these guys, any of them, any of the top prospects, you can put them with Cade Cunningham, and you know it's going to work. Some might work a little better than others, but Cade can work with any type of player, and he is the type of uh, young player in the NBA who's already making his teammates better. And the number one piece of evidence in that is the fact that he has made your guy, Chris, Marvin Bagley, look like a competent NBA player. <laughs> that is the number one argument. How about how about <laughs> hey? All right. So I
0: I would look at it backwards. Marvin Bagley has turned Tate Cunningham <laughs> awesome by giving him somebody to throw yeah, the yeah. ball to. Yeah, and he's ele- elevated one Kate's guy game. he has not done that for is Killian Hayes. That's a lie. He hasn't Killian made Hayes. Killian
1: Hayes better. Killian Hayes is pretty good, pretty good. you see? You see the lost, defense he played last night us. on Harden? Five for eight from the field. You see the step back three he hit the other night. K, uh, Killian Hayes is doing some stuff. He's doing some stuff. Yeah, he's going to be hanging so out would, with uh, his hey, boy Frankie Milten in a couple of years. Shut so you're, up. You're gonna, gonna be shut up.
0: dynamite <laughs> backcourt in France.
1: Hey, you uh, <laughs> playing for the my, Paris uh, Bricklayers? <laughs> In my Ben Caro article today, I said how I'm moving him to number one on my board for right now. Uh, The the last line in there, you know, the last paragraph is about how just, you know, these guys are ranked all over the place. Everyone's going to have their preferences. And then I wrote, don't be surprised if your favorite draft analysts all have different people ranked first this year. Luckily for me, there are no French point guards in the <laughs> <laughs> spots. <laughs> I like the
0: self-deprecation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. it's uh, yeah, it's true. There are no French point guards. There is a uh, Usman Jang though. Uh, uh French, and you're uh, staying away from him. Well, he's a French forward. He's not a French point guard, so it's no problem for me. Not an issue. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league and assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
0: Other things that took place last night. the, The Hawks have looked like a team, you know, about to go into the playoffs, you know, possibly dangerous. And Trey left with an injury last night. And so, clearly, this is something to monitor rather closely. But I was starting to think, you know, you're going to draw, somebody's going to draw the Hawks. And that's that's going to be no picnic, no matter who it is. Because Trey has been, you know, he had that 30-point first half, uh, you know, just a few games ago. Uh, had 40-plus in another game recently. I mean, he's really gotten going. And it was a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. This whole year, we hadn't been able to figure out what the hell is going on with them and why they have been so underwhelming. There's been a myriad of reasons given the first of which at the very beginning of the season, which was Trey young, which is not exactly what you want saying, you know, once you're in the big games, these games don't feel that big. You know, It sounded a little entitled maybe um, at the beginning of the season that they were carrying themselves like a team that had, maybe accomplish more than they have, but they did make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And so, even if they did have the whole, doesn't, you know, regular season isn't that big a deal, line them up and we'll play when it comes to the playoffs. um, I do think they're, I do think they could be dangerous, but we got to monitor this Trey thing because
1: they're not dangerous without him. Well, I mean, Trey Trey said uh, his groin has been sore. After the game, that's what he said. Because he heard it at the end of the first half. He played the third. Then, because the Hawks were up so much, he didn't play at all in the fourth. That's something
0: to monitor. That's a muscle.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something to monitor. And, And the fact that he looked like he was in so much pain still returned. But if that is something that's a lingering issue, it certainly limits who they are and what they can be. Monster game
0: between the Lakers and the Pelicans, Kevin. And it mm-hmm. sounds like LeBron and AD are going to play. Yeah. Wow. Exciting. I-, I look forward to watching. They got into 10 and then they gave it right back to the Spurs. And now they have to try to get it back. They have to try to get back into the play in situation. And we know that this game is so much bigger than just that play in. Um, this one matters greatly because of the pick. Because yeah. if the Pelicans are able to knock down the Lakers to where they are outside of that play-in, that all of a sudden becomes a top ten pick, and they get that pick. And so you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of incentive besides just the two teams. Trying to get into the play in and then getting to host that play in game that that draft pick which they would not get, and of course they traded theirs, so that ends up
1: being enormous for them and right right now that pick is slotted to eighth, and the Lakers are two games back from being tenth um I mean, it's looking like a good chance that the Pelicans could get it anyway. But if you knock them out of the plan, you you assure that you do. And, well, but the and, Knicks, I mean, the Knicks
0: are like now it's sealed that they're not making the playoffs. So who knows what they're going to do? Washington's right there too, right in the crappy record category. And then you got the Spurs.
1: So, I mean, there's, there's a lot I tweet, of. Jo- I tweeted, I tweeted the other day, Chris, about the Spurs winning all these games and said this is actually a bad thing. They should be tanking. Yeah. The reaction from Spurs fans was so interesting to me. Like it's very split. Usually when I comment about tanking, mm. it's like majority are like, yes, we want the high pick. Spurs fans, it was very split. There are a lot of there are a lot of people in support. Like, yes, thank you for saying this. There are many that were like, what are you talking about? All we do is win. This is part of our culture here. We always try to win games. We can, we can draft a star in the middle of the first round. We've done it before. It, yeah. It was, just, it was just very interesting to see that type of perspective come from a fan base that has won for 20-plus years. Because it reminds me of the year with the Patriots. I wanted them to to lose out, get a higher draft pick, get Mac Jones. Mac Jones slides to 15th anyway. Patriots didn't even need you to never turn know. up to get their quarterback They didn't have to. So for the Spurs, it's the truth. You can find great players from anywhere in the draft. It's just easier at the top. No,
0: and, well, and, and, I mean, and it's a great, it's one of the great ironies about the Suns thing, right? Is that the guy who's the best is the guy that was taking, what, 13, 14? I think mm-hmm. it was 13 14. 14. Booker. Devin Booker. He's yep. the he's the franchise guy. Like of all those picks they had in the top five, the, uh, the Dragonbenders and the Josh Jacksons and the audit audit odd. And odd, and odd.
1: Aiton Aiton was number one.
0: He was, but the best one is the one taken thirteen. And Chris Paul, way back
1: in the day, was the fourth pick. Way back in <laughs> nineteen ninety eight. Come on, <laughs> and that was, that was that was for the two five
0: franchises ago. And,
1: and Mikkel Bridges um, was the was the tenth anyway, pick as well. So they they had some lot of guys.
0: Yeah, we got that monster game between the uh, Lakers and the Pelicans, and supposed to be seeing LeBron. Supposed to be seeing
1: AD. Do you think the Lakers get in? Do you think they get in? What's your prediction? Yes. Yeah, you think they get yeah. in? Yeah,
0: yeah I yeah. think they get in. So
1: Spurs fall out? Yes. Hmm.
0: Maybe yeah, Pelicans? I, 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 I mean, this game is big.
1: Yeah, this is a big one. It's a
0: big game.
1: Oh, Pelicans need, need this game badly. Right. Yeah. Well, they got Pelicans they got my guy Larry. Win this game. That Jose Alvarado guy, isn't he such a troll? I love him. He's like a good compaso. Good compasso. <laughs> that Nuggets fans aren't going to like that comment. I don't care. Yeah, I know. Uh, Demar Derozan <laughs> had
0: fifty points, and uh, <laughs> last night in what was a crazy a good game, <laughs> what was a crazy game, and it, it just brings the mind like I we have been doing this show long enough that you will remember, uh me saying, this is years ago, I think it was Blake Griffin when he was playing for Detroit, had 50 points and I came out here and I was like, you don't see a lot of 50s, Kev. Yeah. And now we've stuck around and we've been a team long enough to where all we see is 50 point games. Like, I I, once upon a time, I said on the podcast, hey, we got to talk about this because you don't see a lot of 50s. Bro, we just had a string of 50-point games throughout March that was absolutely insane. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's 50-point performance in the overtime win over the Clippers made him the 14th different player to have 50 this season. He was also the 7th different player to go for 50 in March, just the month of March. Which is the single month league record as well? That the ninth, the ninth
1: time, right? Huh? The ninth, time seventh this different month, right? Seventh different. Oh, okay, it's okay. happened nine times. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the okay, seventh yeah, yeah.
0: different player.
1: Right. LeBron and Kyrie did because it twice. You got
0: to, yeah. Well, and you and those players were LeBron James. Uh, he had uh, uh fifty six against the Warriors. Tatum fifty four against the Nets. Irving, 50 against the Hornets. LeBron, 50 versus the Wizards. Kevin Durant, 53 versus the Knicks. Carl Towns, 60 versus the Spurs. Kyrie Irving, 60 versus the Magic. Sadiq Bay 51 versus the Magic. And then DeMar DeRozan. Mm. Shout out to Sadiq Bay. That was on... Friggin' March Madness weekend. The only
1: game of the night. His 51
0: is getting lost in NBA lore. But and and especially what a raw deal for Sadiq. You know, like he gets the 51. It's on a March Madness Day where everybody is watching March Madness uh, and not watching Detroit versus Orlando. Not that. If March Madness wasn't on, everybody would be watching Detroit versus Orlando. But anyway, (laughs) you score the 51, and then it's not even like special because six other guys scored 50 in the month. What are the chances? What are the chances you get 51 in a game and nobody saw it and six other guys (laughs) did it in the month? So it just gets totally lost. Like 51 should be insanely special. And Sadiq's just, that's just bad luck. But but we honor you, Sadiq Bey,
1: on the mismatch. Sadiq Sadiq Bey is a baller. He is a baller. I love that dude. Yeah, What a good play. The Pistons have a lot of good players, Chris.
0: Yeah, they got a lot of good players. They they, got a real
1: future. Yeah, they really do. And Cade, Sadiq Bey, hopefully Killian keeps getting better on offense because he's got it on defense already. Um, Yeah, they Uh, got a core. They uh, got a core there. Hello. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh oh, they got yeah, Marvin it's... Bagley away oh, from Sacramento oh, yeah, and he's awesome. Surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah.
0: Surprise, right. yeah. surprise. surprise. Yep. yep. We got news on the time, Lord, Kev. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Boston, after a first-round series, could get him back. But this is, you know, anytime people start tweeting about Brandon Roy and uh, you know, uh MetaWorld Peace and some other guys that have come back and it ended up having long term effects you know one of the things that is worthwhile to think about because he obviously got the surgery that would allow him to come back on the court quicker is what you talked about with their uh you know their owner grossbeck saying this is a long term deal um it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because even though he played the 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 shorter recovery card, you know, you certainly have to take the long-term implications into consideration because it has. It has damaged guys that have come back um, maybe before they should have to try to get back for a playoff run. And so we'll see. Again, that's up to doctors, right? Like doctors are going to decide whether or not they feel good enough about the healing and the rehab for him to be able to get out on the court. But with the way you talked about how this is a long-term vision for not only Time Lord, but also this group, you know, I don't know if our expectation should be that they're going to be able to get Time Lord back on the court in four to six weeks because there's inevitably a risk that comes along with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see in six weeks. Yeah, all I know is they need him. There is no way around that. They, they need, and especially at the guy we talked about at the top of the show. They they need Time Lord in the series against the Bucks and Giannis. Final fours this weekend. You
0: mentioned Paulo is now at the top of your draft board, but that's certainly not
1: written in uh, sharpie, no. right? And that and that and that could change. I'd have Ben Carroll ranked first for four of the top 10 teams with draft lottery odds. That's the way I would put it. So, like, if another team gets the first pick and and their best guy is Chet Holmgren, I mean, maybe I'm going to move Chet to number one on my personal board based on the fact that that player could be going there or will go there. Like, we might know. We might get the the absolute, you know, answer by the time the draft is coming around. Because that matters. Fit, situation, environment, that's all part of it.
0: Absolutely. And in this class where not as much separates those guys isn't that fair to say
1: yeah totally that
0: you would typically it's take the talent fit it
1: yes but not this year
0: but this year that if there's if there's such a small margin between those top prospects that you would take fit into
1: consideration maybe 100%. more so right yes 100% and for every team it's going to be different like the, like I think for Certain teams, you prefer Jabari Smith out of Auburn because you want the knockdown shooter and the versatile defender. Some teams might want the playmaking of Ben and the potential go-to scoring. Some teams might want the rim protection and the three-point shooting of Chet Holmgren. It's, it's all different for each team with how you're going to fit these guys around. Like, if you're Detroit with Cade Cunningham, who, who do you prefer most of those three to pair with Cade? Ben Holmgren, or Smith? For Cade's like partner in crime, the next ten years, what you are ho- that's what you're hoping for. I Cade.
0: would guess they would take Smith.
1: I I think I like Smith most there too. I think that's who they would. Pick. Yeah, I do. I think they would take him. All three of them would be nice fits. Like that's nice. That's a great part about Cade. It can work with any of the three in different ways. But Jabari Smith provides you with the size at six ten, but also the versatility. And the shooting, which is why like you said Smith is probably first on your board.
0: Well right? and I and I know and I know Ed Stefanski who's over there now and he was a massive Jaron Jackson guy. And I see a lot of that. I do.
1: Who I wonder who's the I final see a lot decision of maker on that pick. Is an oh yeah, I don't know. It, it probably probably tell them, right? I mean, my my. I mean, it's it's unclear. I mean, I, th- I, I think they Trey probably Weaver.
0: all get in a room and then somebody yeah. pulls the trigger. Uh, it's it's collection yeah. of minds.
1: Yeah, which can be good and bad.
0: Yeah, but they've done pretty good drafting. They've, they've done generally. well, yes.
1: it's it, it, it works. It yes. has works. Yes. Yep.
0: Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's totally fair that things could change. You know, I saw the kid from Wisconsin declared
1: Johnny Davis. Where are you at on him? I like Davis. He just needs to improve, you know, his efficiency as a jump shooter, but he has got he's got a lot that, that that there is to enjoy in the defensive end of the floor. One of the things that I like on offense is the fact that he can be a little bit of a low post guy. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I I would just be very curious to see if a team is going to use him as a as a post hub as a guard. You don't see a lot of those guys in the NBA that are guards using the low post, but he he's got a turnaround jumper, good good passer from the post, can uh, I'm intrigued. I, I, bet, there, the I ju- bet there. I bet I, I, I want to see. The, I want to see the jumper improve. That's a big part of it. Knowing um, the way the NBA yeah. guys
0: talk about these guys, there's somebody. There's going to be guys out there that absolutely fell in love with him at the end of the Big Ten season because they love the, you know, go big in conference games, on the road. Like he, he had some monster games at the end of the season, for sure. Like, big, scoring games. And there's going to be some guys, I bet, that really, really love that. And so I could see him, I, I could see a team being in love with him
1: for sure, no doubt about Johnny it. Gilles. I mean, six foot five, you know, playmaker who can you know hit tough shots from mid range. All, all he's really going to do is figure out how to extend his range to three. This season, he shot 36% from the mid range, 31% from three, uh, 34% on catch and shoot threes. And he's the type of guy who doesn't always like take that open shot when it's there, um. But yeah, like he, if he can figure out that dribble jumper from mid mid range and from three, you're talking about a guy who could be a great point guard in the NBA. Um. But he's got it, it, it. Sometimes some guys don't figure that out though.
0: We talked about how people really loved uh, Mark Williams recently. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in the mix this weekend.
1: It's fair to say you
0: think the kid from Kansas might have the most to gain. You know, abaji Yeah, just if his team, if they knocked off Villanova, if they won a title game on Monday night, that I feel like he's a little farther down the list and he feels like the kind of guy that if, you know, if he, if he was amazing in these last two games when the lights are the brightest, that he could... Because there's not that many guys on, on the list that could really move up. I suppose if Williams dominated two games in a row, it's going to have a matchup with that Baycott kid who's been outstanding yeah. for... You know, the bigs are actually going to decide this thing in large part.
1: There's a bunch of big guys on these teams. Yeah. I mean, with Abaji, he, I mean, it, again, like it, it's similar to what we talked about at the top of the draft. In the middle of the draft, are you a team that's wanting to draft a more NBA-ready 22-year-old senior out of Kansas who can come in right away and hopefully make an impact? Or are you going to go with a 18 year old raw talents, uh, like a Ty Ty Washington uh, out of Kentucky, or, uh, you know, Usman Jang, um, who played, like we mentioned here more, earlier, the French forward who played this last season in New Zealand. Um, so, look, like it, it's it's all about priorities. And, and it's also It's all so tough. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's so like, I, you,
0: as soon as you said that, you know what I thought of? A couple of years ago, where the Clippers had those two picks, and with one of them, they took Jerome Robinson, the other one, they take. Shea Gilson-Alexander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, mean, I don't know where Jerome Robinson is. And Shea Gilson-Alexander is like one of the best, you know, still under 25 players in the league. And it's kind of that, that deal. Which do you want? Because I had people from Kentucky that, I mean, they were like, he was really good in the SEC tournament. He was really good, you know. That's when he was really good. But I don't know about Gildas Alexander. There's a lot more of that that I got from Kentucky folks, you know. And they were high on Knox. You know, so
1: you figure it out. It's hard For what to figure. It's, it's, worth, it's hard to figure. <laughs> uh, Jerome Robinson was with the Santa Cruz Warriors this oh. season. Yeah, How about that? 20, 22 games. 21 points are per game. Really good college player, but a veteran guy. Good. And, you know.
0: hmm but it's, it's it's interesting the way those two picks diverged, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. One of them enabled you to get Paul George, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know. And it might not have been that great of a deal. It's probably a better deal for the Thunder, <laughs> depending on what happens with the Clippers, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out soon yeah. with, uh, with Kawhi.
0: It's going to be a super fun weekend, and a lot is going to be decided. We're going to be... Uh, There's only going to be two or three games left in the season by the next time we talk. Uh, Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Tuesday.
1: Have a good one, everybody. You're welcome, Pistons (laughs) fans.